Hello, everybody. This is Alien Talk Podcast, a program where we discuss all things about aliens and UFOs and where we push the limits of our understanding. We are Joe Landry and Lori Olford here with you after two weeks as your co-host for a new episode. Thank you all for joining us once again. And for those of you who may be tuning in for the first time, we extend a big welcome. Now, hey there, Lori. How's it going? Hey, Joe. Yeah, it's going well. Uh, crazy world, but things are, are they're going well. And uh, it seems that between every show we do, I'm reminded more and more what strange times we're living in. And these past two weeks have been, well, almost surreal. <laughs> you, you know, I, I saw this picture. It was uh, on Facebook, I believe, a meme or something, and it. It was of a sign in a bookstore somewhere, and on it, it said that the post-apocalyptic sci-fi novels have now been moved to the uh, top shelf sections for books on current events. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's funny. You're not kidding. Um, we have the war in Ukraine going on. Uh, we have COVID shot number four rolling out and ready to go. We have Chris Rock getting slapped at the Oscars. <laughs> you know, I've said this before, uh, the stuff that we talk about here on our podcast is by far not the most extreme or the most peculiar or the most mind-boggling that is out there. Uh, not anymore, it isn't. I mean, in this day and age, ETs and UFOs and just about anything of the paranormal, you know, spirits and magic, they're no longer considered by most people as belonging to the realm of the strange or the unusual or the ludicrous. That is all for the real news stories that we are hearing about today. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Um, I, I, I think what we talk about here actually gives a refreshing sense of uh, normalcy uh, compared to the headlines that we come across these days. Um, and that includes discussing the topic of crystal skulls, uh, definitely better than the news. Yes, they are definitely better than the news. Uh, and, and they're really fascinating and pretty neat. I know I wish I had a crystal skull to put in my house. Um, I think that would be a nice addition, although I don't think my wife would concur with me about that. <laughs> nope. Uh, yeah, I think it would be a nice addition, too. And uh, I'm sure my wife wouldn't want one in our house either. But um, I agree with you. Um, I, I think it would be a great amenity to have around. <laughs> um, so the interest in crystal skulls have been on the rise in recent times with uh, New Age believers and, you know, the uh, ufologists. Since their discovery, which is believed by most experts to have been during the 19th century, but they also seem to have an eerie and mysterious importance in the religious practices of ancient culture. Right. The human skull in and of itself has always had a symbolic significance. And in the case of art involving crystals being carved into the shape of a skull, uh, it accentuates the idea of power, uh, power of the mind, psychic power. The ability to do extraordinary things and to control phenomena in a way that is perhaps supernatural or even godlike. Yeah, they have really been uh, brought to the limelight on TV shows such as Ancient Aliens and Unexplained on the History Channel. Of course, who can forget Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which came out uh, a few years ago now? 14. 14 years ago. What? 14? 14 years ago? Seriously? Yep. It was in. 2008, I remember taking my kids to see it, and they were still in middle school. Wow, that long already. I, I'm shocked. I really am shocked. I, I didn't realize it, it has been that, uh, that long since it's been out. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, just visit any gym and mineral show, and uh, you'll see tons of them uh, at the vendor's booths that are set up. And, um, and what we want to discuss is whether or not there is anything extraterrestrial about them, meaning 
is there significance attributed to anything that may be related to humanity's encounter with aliens in the distant past? And that's an important detail to this topic, Ori. Uh, are they correlated or connected or derived from influences that are from other worlds? I don't think most people suggest that crystal skulls were made by aliens. And actually, like you pointed out, uh, most are thought to have been made into the shapes that they are. Uh, we find them just within the last 150 years, more or less. So there really isn't even a consensus that they are indeed uh, ancient artifacts. At least not very many of them are. The question really becomes, why were they made at all? And we want to explore the juxtaposition with the essence of the human skull, um, the shape of the human skull, and, and the material in which they're carved. Um, what is about the skull, and what is about the crystal? And I think the ones we're talking about are made of quartz, uh, which is a, a very abundant mineral. Right. The crystal skulls are carvings of uh, human skulls made of clear quartz, a.k.a. the rock crystal. And uh, the outcome of studies about their origins puts them in the mid-19th century, perhaps even later than that, into the early 20th century. Um, they were also determined to have possibly originated in Europe and not from any Mesoamerican uh, culture like the Maya, as they have been uh, claimed to be. And it was during that time, in which you're referring, uh, basically the Victorian period, when there was a great rise in the interest and fascination with all things about ancient cultures. Uh, this would have been Volvatsky, uh, Casey, Steiner, Crowley, Doyle, and all of those, well, unique individuals who were proliferating their beliefs and publications about mysticism and the occult. As we pointed out before on this program, the Victorian and Edwardian periods in Europe and the United States were marked by what you might call a, a rejuvenation in the popularity of ancient cultures and ancient mysteries which would include that of pre-Columbian civilizations of Mesoamerica. Yeah, so the belief that crystal skulls were retrieved uh, from sites that were once inhabited by the Mayans, Toltecs, and Incans would have fit right into that prevalent disposition of, of the time. Also, there was quite a bit of trading going on with pre-Columbian artifacts in the late 19th century, a sort of black market, if you will. And many of these artifacts were later found out to be unauthentic and were actually just made by hoaxers in Europe. Right. Uh, they tend to be mostly attributed to Mesoamerican or Native American religions. And what they signify is, a, is an intrigue with the human skull, particularly because that is where the brain is housed. Now, this interest about our heads or our skulls is pretty widespread throughout the world. It sort of represents our essence or our identity as humans, at least in a physical way. So carving an image of a skull reveals something about the ancients' desire to model the elementary human face and human head, as it is like a, a faceless depiction of a person without the flesh, hair, and you know other tissue attached to it. Uh, so a skull is, in a general way, kind of like what all people look like. It is the general way that people... Um, look that's our, our shape of our, our face and our head uh, now the crystal that was used like the with the one in the british museum in london had uh, chlorite uh, inclusions in it which was later realized to only be available in madagascar and brazil not in mexico or central america according to paul craddock in his uh, book scientific investigations of copies fakes and forgeries the analysis done on it revealed 
that it could not have been created in pre-Columbian times, and it was determined uh, that most likely uh, it came from Germany during the 19th century when there was a prevalence of quartz imported from Brazil, by which many shops were known to have crafted statuettes and figurines made from it. There is uh, one that is pretty well known, and it forms a little bit of the basis for the belief of the pre-Columbian origins, and that is the crystal skull of Louboutin, uh, discovered in 1924 by Anna Mitchell Hedges. Uh, she said that she and her father, Frederick, found it underneath a destroyed altar in a temple in the ruins of the city of Louboutin, uh, which is in present-day Belize. Uh, the skull is made out of a block of clear quartz the size of a human head, and based on correspondence with Joe Nickel in Adventures in Paranormal Investigation, an art restorer named Frank Dorlin, uh, who once had in his possession, I think back in the 1970s, said that it was made without the use of metal tools. He claimed that it com- is comprised of more than one piece of quartz, and that since there are no scratch marks on it, that it was chiseled by using diamond-tipped tools and, and with very fine sanding. Uh, he also s- said he thought that it was between 150 to 300 years old. Well, Dorlin even went on to claim that it may be 12,000 years old. Now, why 12,000 years? Uh, this is interesting because uh, he was a believer in the lost continent of Atlantis, and 12,000 years is around the time it would have existed, at least from the account as told by Plato. So was Frank Dorlin uh, onto something? Uh, software engineers with Hewitt Packard and uh, you know the, the, computer, the computer and IT company uh, conducted tests at their crystal laboratories in uh, Santa Clara, California, and I think that was also in the 70s. Um, anyway, they, they ended up uh, disagreeing with Dorland's claim. However, uh, they did not go any further to figure out how it was made or by who uh, or when, for that matter. Now, I believe the, the test they did on it involved uh, polarized light uh, different, uh, was diffraction, mm-hmm. um, but did not apply any uh, dating method in their study. So for that one, uh, we have an inconclusive date. Uh, But I think what is most interesting about crystal skulls, Lori, is not so much that they are shaped like skulls, but they are made out of quartz crystal. Uh, There is something about crystals that really enthrall us, whether it be gemstones like diamonds and rubies and emeralds or just ordinary rock crystal. We are drawn to them because of their beauty and because they seem to have some special quality, a kind of power, uh, which for thousands of years has enticed people to use them for divination, something called crystallomacy, uh, hence the romanticized crystal ball that we've all heard about in, in literature. Yeah, so so what could be the uh, connection to that? Um, is it our desire to replicate the power of the mind, and is quartz crystal believed to be the conduit by which to do that? If so, then how did we learn it? Uh, whether or not it actually is able to do things like channeling or, or screening, um, as it's called, you you know, foretelling the future does does not change the, the prominence of the universal belief that it can. Uh, could it be that they have once uh, served as some kind of communication media? Are crystals an integral part of some long-lost technology uh, that was brought here by our alien ancestors and whose legacy has carried on, like many other objects of symbolic importance in our legends and rites of uh, our mythology? 
Well, indeed, uh, we do know that crystals with their lattice molecular structures do play a very vital part in our technology today, as quartz has been used in electronic circuitry since the 1930s. Uh, it has what is known as inverse piezoelectric characteristics, and that means it creates resonance when a voltage is applied to it. And what happens is it actually changes its shape very slightly, and by doing so, it generates a small amount of current. Uh, and when adjusted for other factors like the, uh, the mass and size of the electrodes, temperature, uh, thickness, uh, crystalline axis orientation has something to do with the actual um, shape of the crystal and, and how it's uh, oriented with the sort of the grain of the crystal, uh, they find it will maintain a stable oscillation at a particular resonant frequency. And this makes it perfect for radios, telephones, computers, clocks, and and wristwatches, as uh, an unstable oscillation will cause the resonant frequency to shift. It will deviate, which this affects the tuning into channels and, and also keeping time pulses, as well as logic functions and digital devices. So uh, having a stable oscillation is important for those circuits. Yeah, we're all familiar with quartz clocks and quartz watches. Uh, anyone who has had a mechanical clock that you had to wind or adjust the uh, pendulum knows why they were they went to the uh, wayside in favor of electronic clocks and watches. They were a nuisance to say the least. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're you're trying to calibrate a mechanical one like a cuckoo clock. <laughs> uh, I actually have one, and as much as I love cuckoo clocks, they're a mess to maintain. Uh, there are a whole bunch of gears and springs and push rods inside of them, and you have to constantly tinker with the pendulum in the hands uh, to get it to the correct time. So, yeah, when electronic clocks started to, be, um, to become made with quartz oscillators that would not deviate uh, from the correct time beat, uh, or at least they wouldn't deviate much, no more than like 25 seconds per year, that took care of a lot of the accuracy problems people were experiencing with their timepieces always being off. Uh, before quartz was used, uh, keeping the pendulum and, and, and wind-up clocks precise and synchronized was a, a pretty tedious task. So here we have an excellent example of how perhaps this characteristic of crystals may have been known to the ancients. Uh, perhaps it was taught to them by the gods, like so much else is said to have, as based on the you know, mythological traditions, and was then lost over time. Yet somehow it may have preserved in the form of mysticism and esoteric or esoteric beliefs about them uh, having special power. Remember, uh, quite a while ago now, when we discussed the possibility that the Ark of the Covenant may have been a communication device or, or some kind of uh, power-generating equipment that uh, utilized the uh, electricity. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, if it truly was such an apparatus as that, it is possible that quartz or other types of crystals may have been part of its construction. Uh, maybe that's why Moses was able to hear the voice of God so crystal clear. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, a, not at all. <laughs> so we see that since antiquity, crystals have played a role in representing uh, humanity's comprehension, uh, not only of ourselves, uh, but also of those from whom we may have come. They, along with precious metals, are used in many sacred rites of, of the religions of the world, as well as they are used to adorn many important shrines around the world. And let's not forget that our favorite psychologist, Carl Jung, 
uh, saw the symbolic potency of crystallomacy in several of his works pertaining to the collective unconscious. And I, th- I think we uh, we talked about it uh, on another one of our episodes, how our our minds could be part of something like uh, an Ethernet that connects to a World Wide Web such that the information can be stored and downloaded from somewhere else, uh, even after the system that did the upload is no longer there, much like cloud computing software. Yeah, we actually find this notion in the doctrine of theosophy, which in turn is borrowed from things like transcendental Buddhism. And this notion that we're talking about um, with you know, sort of the cloud computing and the, you know, sort of the mental or psychic World Wide Web, it's called the Akashic Records. Uh, this is supposed to be a reservoir of all thoughts and emotions and events that have occurred and will occur. And it is believed to be uh, represented as energy that is supposed to exist on a different plane. Now, in quantum physics, such a plane has been hypothesized to exist in what is called the zero-point field. Uh, based on Lynn McTaggart's book, The Field, fluctuations of electromagnetic energy in one point of space are manifested in other points of space. As the universe is thought to be a singularity, thus making it sort of bind things together throughout the cosmos. Now, this makes us wonder if crystals with their special molecular structures are not somehow capable of tapping into this energy fluctuation. And in a way, listening in uh, to the Akasic uh, record, and could it be that the crystals being carved into the shape of a skull have an even deeper significance to mimicking the capacity of the human mind to connect on a different plane to form what can only be thought of as a mental supercomputer. The problem we seem to run into with these crystal skulls is the inability to determine them as being authentic ancient relics. As we pointed out, many have been dismissed as hoaxes, being made not very long ago, being made more in modern times, not in ancient times. Uh, possibly this was done in an effort for some people to profit on the new age and spiritualism hype uh, that was going on and is still going on to this day. But there are many indeed, uh, there may indeed be some that were made thousands of years ago by people like the Olmecs, the Mayans, and the Incans. Um, with so many fakes out there, though, it is difficult to determine which ones might be truly ancient. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, and welcome to Hiss and Tell, a cat podcast where we delve deep into the fascinating world of feline behavior with your host, me, Christina Wilson, a professional animal behaviorist. Each episode features insightful discussions with leading veterinarians, dedicated researchers and scientists, experts in cat behavior and training, and so much more. Join me as we decode the complexities of pet loss, unravel the mysteries of feline health and behavior, and discover the latest research findings. I'll meet you at Hiss and Tell. Right. So supposedly there are a dozen that are of special interest, with 10 of them in private uh, collections and two in the museums in London and Paris. Now, there is one called E.T., and it's claimed to have been found in Mexico in around, I think it was 1906, by a family said to be descendants of the Mayans. Uh, It was named E.T. because it is actually shaped like the head of an alien gray. Um, another one is called Janus, and it's a smoky quartz skull from um, uh, Montenegro and believed to have been handed down from one king to another. 
Uh, it was found by monks in the 19th century before being turned over to a Russian family and is believed to date to 700 BC. Um, the story goes that the monks actually believed that it belonged or came from a much older people known as the Sumerians. Uh, I mean, wasn't Conan the Barbarian a Sumerian, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, they, they were a real tribe of people. Uh, they were said by the Greek historians Herodotus and Strabo to have inhabited the Caucasus region north of the Black Sea in the 8th and 7th centuries BC. Um, they're also mentioned in Homer's Odyssey. Yeah, and uh, there is a large rose quartz crystal skull named Babylo, um, and it is about 16 pounds. So uh, it has a flat head and is carved in a primitive way. Uh, magnificent fire is made of a red jasper skull and it was found in a cave in Colombia. Uh, the other one named Mansur is made of lapis lazulu crystal skull and this one was discovered in 1995 in the Amazon by a North Peruvian tribe. Uh, Hoceana is beryl with uh, the colors green and blue and was said to have been passed on from one tribe to another in Peru, Ecuador, to Colombia and Brazil. Uh, shooting her a 10.8 pound one was made of uh, amazonite and it came from mongolia or mongolia uh, one named clouds uh, because of its cloudy look to it is a 4.4 uh, pound clear quartz crystal skull uh, and it's said to be from a monastery in tibet and was discovered around 1880 by a chinese archaeologist named uh, ying fuhu uh, the only modern crystal skull in this array is a black uh, obsidian, a one called Darth Vader, because it looks like Darth Vader. <laughs> uh, it was carved in 1926 in Idar Oberstein, uh, Germany. Um, another one that is well known is the Jesuit, uh, made of clear quartz and thought to have been made somewhere in Central America around 1534. Uh, some are probably fake, but uh, are they all fake, though? I mean, can can we boldly make that statement? Uh, or are maybe a couple, a couple of them real, uh, authentic, and perhaps even ancient? Now, Anna Mitchell Hedges passed away in 2007. And according to an article in, uh, by anthropologist Jane Walsh in Archaeology Archive, uh, dated May 27, 2020, uh, she actually examined the skull. Uh, Anna went to her grave claiming that it was in, found in 1924, uh, but she claimed that someone of, uh, someone of Mayan descent uh, told her the skull was used by a high priest to bring death to the people or bring a curse to the enemies of their people. Uh, the skull was passed to, on to her husband, to whom she uh, must not have confessed uh, it was a forgery if it truly was a forgery, because he continued to believe in its mystical powers. So. If it was a forgery, he wasn't believing it, or he was never told it was. Um, if Anna had told her husband that the skull was a fake, it, it seems strange he would have taken it to uh, Dr. Anna Walsh in the first place. Um, and she was working at the Smithsonian Institution at the time, and she did an extensive examination on it. And much, nothing much was said about its findings, um, but Holman, uh, who's uh, Anna's uh, surviving husband, uh, brought it back the following year in order for it to be filmed in a, a documentary that was called The Legend of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Walsh had concluded 
that a high-speed metal-type rotary tool that used a diamond must have carved the crystal skull. Uh, her examinations led her to believe that the skull was most likely created in the 1930s. Well, here's the problem. The anthropologist came to this conclusion in 2008 and made her determination. However, rotary tools weren't invented until 1932. Now, did she claim that the skull was carved in the 30s by a high-power rotary tool? Yes, of course. But uh, who would have been able to have one, and how would they have known to use this new tool to fashion a human skull out of a block of quartz crystal? Um, could Walsh be wrong in her assessment and Hedges was telling the truth all along about finding it in 1924? Uh, Walsh, Walsh also claimed that uh, it was likely based on the uh, British Museum skull, which uh, first appeared in 1881. Now, this skull, Hedges, uh, per Walsh's, Walsh's uh, analysis, was made by modern tools and not authentic because the skull uh, did not match pre-Columbian people skulls. Uh, but more European. Now, this, of course, is the opinion of the anthropologist, but I think this argument should fall short because there were European people living in pre-Columbian times. Many of the Aztecs and Mayan people did meet them. Um, that much is evident from our documented history. Uh, they even thought that the Spanish explorer Herman Cortez was none other than the returning god Quetzalcoatl. Now, there is also the Paris skull, uh, which is now in the Muse du Quai Blani in Paris. Uh, after a bunch of tests were completed on that one, it was determined that it was certainly not pre-Columbian because it shows traces of polishing and abrasion by what are determined to be uh, modern tools. Yet there was traces of water dated to the 19th century, but also claimed it was made in the 19th century. So I. I mean, I'm confused because in 2009, a, a new dating technique known as quartz hydration dating, QHD, showed that the uh, periscope was created in uh, the 18th or 19th century. Now, how could it be determined to have been carved and polished by modern tools, yet be created in the 1700s or 1800s? So it doesn't make any sense. And to this day, uh, there is no information as to who exactly even made it. No person is mentioned as to being the creator of any of them. Yeah, since uh, there are no carbon isotopes in quartz, it cannot be dated through the radiocarbon method. Uh, there has really never been a way to determine the dates of things made of quartz, other than by comparing them to the dating of organic material found in their proximity and estimating an approximate time frame respective of that, or, or looking at the rock strata from which the crystals came and based the dating within the context. So if the crystals are embedded within a sedimentary layer, layer <clears throat> uh, that is determined to be 100 million years old, and the crystals are estimated to be about 100 million years old as well. If a quartz ornament is discovered within the same layer as, or, or the same locus as other artifacts uh, that can be dated by radiocarbon and are found to be, say, from 1200 B.C., then the ornament is estimated to have been made around the same time as those other pieces. So according to the Journal of Archaeological Science, dated uh, July 2004, uh, Jonathan Erickson explains that quartz hydration dating relies on measuring the amount of hydrogen in the crystal from the diffusion of water, which an amount of time is then calculated for that to take place. 
So what's really interesting about quartz, uh, something that jumped out at me when uh, doing some, some of the research was uh, Jeremy Narby's uh, The Cosmic Serpent, the DNA and the Origins of Knowledge, a great book, by the way. Uh, in it, he mentions that the Aztec god, Quetzalcoatl, known as a plumed serpent, symbolizes the sacred energy of life. The word Cotl in Aztec means serpent, but it also means twin, a twin serpent, due to Quetzalcoatl also having a twin brother named Tetzalcoatl. Um, he went on to say that the Australian Aborigines uh, believed that life was created by a cosmic rainbow snake that was powered by quartz crystals. Um, even the Dasana from the Colombian Amazon believe in a cosmic anaconda that created life with a quartz crystal. So these are people separated by thousands of years, yet tell a similar story about quartz crystals. Uh, is there a connection between this and the crystal skulls made out of quartz? Could the crystal skulls be a representation of a human head indicating that we originated from a divine maker, a cosmic serpent? maybe, who use quartz or a, you know, some representation of a creator from beyond our world. Uh, maybe there is a connection among some of the diverse cultural groups. Uh, we have to remember that quartz is composed of silicon and oxygen, the two most abundant elements on Earth. So it is everywhere. If the religious belief of man being formed out of the Earth is something that has held firm in the traditions, then whether it be God making him out of the dust or the rainbow snake, making him out of quartz, we can see how ancient people would infer a similarity in terms of essence between our bodies and the minerals of the ground. Catholics are told that very thing every Ash Wednesday. Uh, just before receiving ashes on the forehead, uh, the priest says to them, remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, that's quite profound, Joe. Of course, that is also what is said as part of the curse in Genesis 3, uh, 14 through 19. Well, perhaps uh, Anna Mitchell Hedges uh, may have been onto something after all in her assertion that the skull she found was of ancient pre-Columbian origin. Now, something else interesting is that there is uh, a legend out of, of some kind, I think, from the Native Americans about there being 13 crystal skulls spread out around the world. Uh, it is believed that each one was made from a single block of the uh, quartz crystal from Brazil, uh, with no tool marks or scratches on them. Uh, if they were sand polished, uh, then there's a good possibility that this process would have taken approximately 300 years or so to complete. Um, in an article in uh, Don.com put forth the question as to why so much work and time would be spent on perfecting a human skull made out of one of the hardest substances known to man, the, the, uh, the cutting of which requires great expertise and precision, and uh, the carving and polishing of which is equally time-consuming. So why would anyone want to carve a skull out of clear, milky quartz? And why a skull? Uh, these are very good questions that uh, we would like to know the answers to. Yes, and just to clarify this number 13, those are the ones that have been the subject of these scientific investigations and are the ones that leave open the possibility that they may have been made in ancient times. There are literally you know, hundreds, maybe even thousands of crystal skulls out there that are undoubtedly created by artisans and sculptors. Like you said, Laura, you can go to any gem show or new age, a cult store for that matter, 
and find crystal skulls that you can buy. The 13 in contention are more unique and the circumstances of their discovery are a little more obscure. True. And uh, there are some who think these skulls were carved with uh, diamond tipped tools and done so against the axis of the crystal, which means that it had to be done in a very specific way or the sculptor could destroy the entire thing. So the $60,000 question then becomes, how did they know to do it in this particular way to begin with? So are skulls supposed to be some end of time or end of the world type relics? According to Chris Morton, author of the book, The Mysteries of the Great Crystal Skulls, these 13 could be brought together uh, to uh, uh, imply their power to, in a way to ward off catastrophes. In that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull movie, uh, how many aliens were there sitting in that hidden spaceship? 12, 13? It was 13. Indiana Jones and his friend uh, Harold Oxley, uh, they had the 13th one. And of course, there were the Russians who were trying to take it from them before they uh, got to that ancient city. Okay, well, let's let's add up what we have. Uh, There's the uh, Lubabitan skull found by Hedges. There's the Mayan and the Amethyst skulls, the British and the Paris skulls. You have Max, the uh, Texas skull. You have the E.T. skull, the Jesuit skull, the Aztec skull, the Shannara, the uh, Jaguar man, and rainbow skulls. Yeah, I think that comes out to be 12, so we're missing one. Uh, this must be what the Indiana Jones movie was based off of. <laughs> uh, they were waiting for that 13th skull, I guess. I mean, we still need to confirm that uh, these are indeed uh, the true 12 crystal skulls. Uh, what happens if someone discovers the 13th one? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> the uh, prevailing legend is that these skulls were known to humans as far back as prehistoric times and, and that they come from other worlds. Now, according to the website called Ancient Evidence on Word, WordPress.com, dated back December 18th of uh, last year, uh, these 12 crystal skulls, skulls in, assuming they are authentic and ancient in origin are from 12 separate planets from the 12 separate solar systems. Uh, the 13th one, wherever it is, uh, would also be from a separate planet from its own star system. Um, and that when hits found and they are all brought together, it will form a global grid, uh, an energy grid uh, that will bring forth a surge of extraterrestrial knowledge. Uh, so has to bring about a sort of uh, age of divine light. I guess you can call it that. Yeah, and here again, we find the relevance of the number 12, as we find in so much of uh, mythological material and so much religious dogma. Um, And in this case, we're talking about the number 13, which is simply 12 plus the addition of one more. So we still see a close subsequent association uh, in the deeper meaning of the numbers. So what we have here is a baker's dozen of crystal skulls. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So if quartz crystal is an agency for harnessing and tapping into energy fields, as modern physics and electronics seem to indicate, then it's no wonder why when carved into the shape of a human skull that it has left such a psychological impression upon people. That's right. 12 heads that hold all of the knowledge of the universe and a final 13th one that unlocks all of it. Uh, whether it be called the Akashic Record, uh, the collective unconscious, uh, the universal soul, or the mind of God. It is nothing more than energy. Uh, 
that it and that it may truly exist. If it if it truly is this energy, then it does exist, and it may exist as a medium by which information is carried and stored, and is part of a, a technology used by extraterrestrial beings. So maybe the uh, the thirteenth skull could be on planet Nibiru, and when it returns, then we would have that thirteenth skull. <laughs> Um, perhaps much in the same way that uh, we use electromagnetic waves and uh, electrostatic charges to do the same in our computers, internet modems, domain servers, and wireless devices. Uh, if they are more advanced than we are, as most believe, then they may have developed a, a way to use a different form of energy to, to carry and store information. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, pretty much anything is possible. So you, the audience, must decide. Do crystal skulls represent a product of the human psyche by which to re, uh, regain communication and IT technology that was once brought here by ancient alien visitors and then lost to time, perhaps even lost due to a cataclysm like that of the Great Flood or the destruction of Atlantis? Or is it just a plain old hoax carried out so as to play up to the beliefs of those who follow the occult, uh, spiritualism, theosophy, and the New Age? Uh, the answer to that question, like so many others, still awaits. So next episode will be right before Easter Sunday. We're going to try to record the Saturday night uh, or sometime on Saturday right before that, in the evening or in the afternoon. Uh, so that should be available for download on Easter. And we're going to cover the correlation of the 33rd parallel with the occurrences of uh, many of the sightings and the important events that have taken place within human history. It's something we've uh, we've referenced a few times, and we're going to examine its significance uh, a little more in depth. Yeah, the 33rd parallel, by which uh, we mean that line that circumnavigates the uh, globe at 33 degrees north latitude, is one where a lot of uh, coincidences, uh, I guess you can say, involving UFOs, sightings, and uh, as well as supernatural and religious events. Uh, one of them actually being the story uh, of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, that is something said to have taken place in Jerusalem, which is pretty close to the 33rd parallel. So um, that should be uh, an insightful discussion for Easter. Definitely. And, and like with our episode done back during Christmas, it is not our intent to uh, make it a discussion about faith or to challenge doctrine, uh, but merely to present the information, ask the questions, ponder the possibilities, and let the subject matter speak for itself. So we look forward to being with you all again. Thank you for joining us today. And until next time, stay curious. Yeah, we hope you all enjoyed the topic today. Uh, take a moment to give us your thoughts on our social media pages, and uh, we'll be with you again in about two weeks from now on Easter week. Take care, everyone.